0: Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today's show, I have Scott Hawksworth, Director of Sales and Marketing at SorePay. SorePay is a company that focuses on providing payment solutions to higher risk businesses in America. And with that, here's my interview with Scott.
1: Hello, Scott. Hey, Jason. How's it going? Very well. And
0: we're trying this for a second time now, so hopefully I don't screw it up. So Scott Hawksworth, Director of Sales and Marketing for SorePay. Tell us about SorePay.
1: Sure. So, what we do at SORPay is very, very simple. We offer merchant services to businesses of all kinds to help them get set up to accept payments, mostly for credit card processing, but we also offer e check and ACH options. And we have unique expertise. Most of the businesses that we do work with are in what's considered high risk or hard-to-place spaces. They're considered high-risk by processing banks.
0: Okay, we're going to get into how much fun that is. Uh, <laughs> in a minute, tell me about the history of Sorpe.
1: Yeah, so SorPay was launched in 2015 in Houston, Texas. That's where we're headquartered. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, <laughs> we started, we were like, hey, there are these businesses that have trouble Getting processing, they they're good businesses, but for you know various reasons, and we'll dive into all of that. They can't work with, uh, you know, many banks won't work with them, and so we we sort of saw an opportunity there to really help these businesses and establish relationships with banks that can work with these businesses. So since then, we've expanded. We now offer solutions to you know mid risk and low risk merchants as well. But really, our our bread and butter and what we've really specialized in has been those high risk spaces, and it's really just been a matter of of sort of. Uh, step-by-step working on growth, working on servicing new industries and really educating ourselves about the industries that we do serve because, and again, we'll talk about this, the rules are constantly changing. What a bank will work with now may not be what it wants to work with a year from now. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're constantly sort of Trying to stay up to date on what the requirements are, what industries they're working with, and really just uh, just grow our our merchant portfolio bit by bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's there's no shortage of industries where. The frustration that people experience by simply saying, I am a business that is doing well, trying to give you business and you won't even let me work with you it is <laughs> it is almost like you are living in this bizarre world where you just can't understand why I don't get this. I have a legitimate, credible business. I know it's risky, but I can explain it to you, but you won't look at me because that checkbox of the industry that I'm in doesn't meet your criteria. I experienced that in my industry to some degree too, because, oh, look at that. You have no factory equipment. Oh, I can't (laughs) lend you money. What world am I living in that you still think everybody's a manufacturer? Right. Let's 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 talk about examples of industries that are higher risk. And again, let's let's just take a step back and say higher risk from the standpoint of payment processing companies and banks, not necessarily from their underlying operations. So, talk to me about what are these types of industries?
1: Yeah, and and. I do. I want to emphasize that because a lot of folks that come to us, they're surprised to learn that they're high risk. They look at their business. They say, "Hey, I'm I'm processing well. I don't have tons of chargebacks. You know, all this. Mm-hmm. Well, why am I high risk? I I can't believe this." So, so you're, that's a really good point. This is from the bank's perspective. So, I'll give you some some examples of the types of industries that that would fall under this. We're talking credit repair. Document preparation, any kind of online marketing or SEO type services; those can be considered high risk. Any subscription services—we're talking magazines, collectibles, things like that. Um, if you're in the adult industry, that's considered high risk. Fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> anything. Um, and this is this is a big one for us. And there's a lot of regulation around this. Anything like e vape, glassware, smoking accessories. Yeah, all of this, especially if you're trying to sell this online, all considered high risk. Nutraceuticals—that's another big one for us. Okay. So any kind of supplements, vitamins, anything where you know you've got that government regulation going on, people are ingesting a product that can be considered high risk. And then um, moving companies—that might be surprising to some people. Uh, really? but moving that's companies, yeah. And, yeah, and transportation that could be considered high risk. One of the big things I think to sort of establish here is they high risk businesses are defined as those industries that have greater chargeback risks so if their chargeback ratios are over 1% or these businesses can also present reputational risk mm. so you know like adult or you know firearms that's that's one as well you know a risk where certain banks are like you know what we don't want to wade into these waters. We don't want to associate with these businesses. So it just, anytime you're lowering that pool of potential banks, you're, you've got high risk.
0: Yeah, okay. So a couple of things to unpack there. And it's interesting yeah. the last point you made about reputational risk. And I feel like I've been on the opposite end of this equation for a long time, specifically in the ESG investing space, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, we basically have those solutions for clients where that is important to them. And more often than not, the screens are alcohol, tobacco, firearms, adult industry also in there for many of them, nuclear, whatever it might be. And it used to be simply that it was all about basically not investing in those companies. But now we're starting to go more and more down the value chain of other companies and the servicing of those industries. So yes. you know, what percentage of your you know, I've seen what happened with banks specifically, where they've been lobbied to stop dealing with companies that manufacture cluster munitions, for example. Right. right. I, I believe in that as a cause. And I understand how other people can believe in that as a cause. And you can't fault them for wanting their shareholder proxies to be voted in the direction of their values. But at the same time, there are companies on the other side of that who have employees, sound businesses, products, whatever you agree with them or not, who then start to get boxed out because of that. So you know, you're finding ways to, I mean, that's an extreme example, but you're finding ways to deal with that. Now, let's go back to that entire greater than 1% chargeback. So let's explain a chargeback and let's explain why the threshold is such a small number, quite honestly.
1: Yeah. So a chargeback is, I'll give an example. You know, you go and you buy something online, and let's say it never gets sent to you or it wasn't what you ordered, and and maybe you can't hear back from the, the company. Well, when you go to your credit card statement, you know, you've been charged whatever, 20 bucks. If you're not getting your refund, what you can do is you can institute a chargeback. So you tell your card issuer, you say, hey, I didn't approve this charge. This was a fraudulent charge or they didn't give me what I, what I had requested, charge it back. And so what happens there is instantly, you know, this is for consumer protection. Um, this is why credit card holders, you, you have this chargeback ability. They'll instantly start giving you your money back. They'll say, okay, boom, we're gonna reverse this charge because you've said that this was... Uh, yeah was a faulty thing. From there, then it kind of becomes a problem for the merchant because now you have this chargeback and merchants get hit with chargeback fees on top of that. So not mm-hmm. only will they you know, lose that $20 that they had charged you, but they'll never, they won't recoup those fees that were taken out when they originally did the charge and they'll get a chargeback fee on top of that in many cases. And... That's basically designed to, to protect the consumers, as I mentioned. So then the merchant can either you know, fight this chargeback and try to get it reversed and say, no, that was legit. No, I did send the person that. But there it's kind of, a, and that's a whole different <laughs> conversation, yeah. but there it can kind of become a challenge to, to win those chargebacks. But essentially, the way banks look at it is you have a chargeback percentage um and the way processors look at it. So if you have a business and you are having lots and lots of chargebacks, that's a problem for the bank because they're having to give that money back, and your business that's that does not reflect well on your business itself. And they have a very very low threshold for low risk. It's one percent or less. And how that chargeback ratio is calculated, uh, this is something that a lot of people are confused by. Some people think, oh, it's just the number of transactions. So if I have 10 transactions and I just get one, then it's one divided by 10. No, it's actually well, the way processors look at it is they do it based on the dollar amount that you're mm-hmm. having charged back, which really, if you think about it, makes more sense. Yeah, so, if, Absolutely. Versus yeah, total sales, right? Exactly. Exactly. So the way it is, is, is low risk is 1%. And then if you get above that 1% chargeback, then you might start to look high risk and low risk banks and processors may shut you down. They may stop wanting to work with you. And so even in high-risk spaces, it only goes up to about 2%. And so, so really, you're getting another percentage point there, but it's not much more than that. And these chargeback ratios are something we see a lot of merchants struggling with, but it, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I totally get it from the bank's perspective. They want to process payments. They
0: don't want to be judged, jury, and executioner on this sort of stuff, right? Like it's a mm-hmm. type of line of business that maybe they don't they don't price it in. The reputational side, it's it's just it's interesting that it's, you know, frankly, I think anyone listening to this saying one percent of total sales. Like, I mean, there's Absolutely, certain industries where that might be a higher challenge. Even if we're a totally credible company working completely within the rules, right? So a lot of people get boxed out of this sort of thing. So looking, so I'm looking at your website. I'm seeing some things I just would never have thought about. Stuff like seminars and coaching, right? Like, yeah, you know, I I can understand maybe like a a seminar. Like you're going to pay to go to a seminar. You pay. It's a one-off purchase. I don't really understand how that doesn't get delivered, right? You know, some of the other areas like CBD oils, I, you know, firearms, you know, I kind of get, I get, get that stuff, right? Like I, I, you know, you can, I definitely see how there's greater areas of the economy where there would be certain elements that maybe get attracted to it, which make it, you know, the average of the industry less credible, even if you are the most upright business owner, right? So Absolutely. let's, let's talk about how you solve for this problem. So what is it you're doing in particular that's allowing you to basically service these companies?
1: Yeah. So what we're doing is essentially we have relationships with, we have processing relationships with banks that work with these types of businesses and they're smaller banks. So, you know, many of them aren't necessarily your largest banks out there Mm -hmm. that in many ways can afford to just say, you know what, we're just going to cut off this whole industry and we're not going to work with it. Yeah. So we have these relationships and the thing is, is that not all of these banks will work with all of the industries that we have. So we sort of keep ourselves nimble in the sense that, you know, you were mentioning like, okay, firearms is here, but then, okay, someone's doing e-cig or vape here. Well, some bank will work with firearms, but they won't work with e-cig. Some mm-hmm. will work with with glassware, but they won't work with e-cig. So what we do is we sort of, the merchant comes to us and then we take a look at your business. We look at your documentation and all of that. And we have these established relationships so we can pass you along to the best possible option to give you the best chance of getting approved. Because the fact is, is even in high-risk spaces, not everybody gets approved. It's, you know, you can get declined. Sort of our goal is is what can we do to present this merchant and find the best possible option for them to get approved so they can start processing because they have a solid business. They just need a home. Interesting.
0: So essentially what you're doing is, it really makes sense. You're you're kind of almost like a reverse outsource. Like you basically have found a bunch of banks who are interested in expansion into certain areas that they see as not as, no, not the same way others do right? Mm-hmm. And you basically take care of all the implementation, the the risk modeling, the understanding of it all, so that you can turn around and then basically match them up. And, and it kind of work almost as a layer
1: for distribution on top of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think a, a great example of this is uh, nutraceuticals, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sort of where we kind of can really jump in. Because we know, for example, even in high risk spaces, there are certain ingredients that Vitamins and products have that are simply—they're called red line products. So mm-hmm. if you ha- if you're trying to sell this supplement and it's got—I mean, I think one of the uh, something like uh, SARMs, which are like testosterone type steroid type things. Mm-hmm. If you've got that, we know. Okay, actually, no U.S. bank is going to touch this, hmm. and so we can tell you right off the bat: Hey, sorry, we don't have an option for you, but. Maybe there's other ingredients that other folks won't work with, but we know that there's a bank that's okay with it. So we can kind of be that first line as well. Um, so that's where the banks appreciate it because, you know, they don't want to necessarily take all that time to, to sort through and like, oh, yeah, this is banned, this is banned, this is banned. So we can kind of filter out a lot of the things that are like, no no bank is going to touch this.
0: So in a lot of ways, you're the, <laughs> you know, for lack of better an analogy, you are a uh, dating service. for <laughs> Higher risk, quote unquote, higher risk industries and banks who are willing to deal with certain higher-risk industries. Yeah. And, okay, fair enough. So talking about the technology angle, you have a similar approach to another company I interviewed previously where you're not actually the tech provider. You're mm-hmm. the kind of marketing distribution company that not only is a dating service, but also provides the payment infrastructure as supplied by other tech companies. So tell me about how you implement the, t- the tech solution into, the, um, into this mix.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Our, our whole philosophy when it comes to tech is, what you said we're not the the tech folks and what we really want to do is we want to be real neutral we want to be able to work with everybody and in a lot of these industries there are unique software that some folks are using i think credit repair is a great example of this there's a lot of credit repair software that people like to to use and so what we want to do is be able to integrate with as many people as possible with as many different types of industries and softwares as possible so We have relationships with, I think our biggest one, our payment gateway that we work with is uh, authorized.net. That's the biggest one. And they integrate with all kinds of software. So that works really, really well for us because we can always say, you know, someone's like, oh, I have this online store. Can you integrate with it? Connect my payments to this? And- uh, more often than not, the answer is absolutely. And we also go with these robust providers because then there are you know API solutions and dev solutions. You know, From time to time, we can get creative and things like that. And we can work with their support team and things like that to sort of learn like, okay, how can we get this merchant what they need and kind of put the merchant in contact with them as well. So we're always on the lookout for just partnerships for tech. Hey, let the people doing the payment gateways and and these underlying tech things that support our industry, let them do what they do best. And we'll focus on getting these merchants in the door and, you know, helping them get approved and just let the tech solutions work themselves out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Excellent.
0: So basically thus far, you basically, again, dating service, provide technology to implement all this. You're connecting all the pieces together. Tell me about the pricing of this. Like how does... To the end user to the, not to the end user, but to the end customer, which is the company who 's basically doing that you 're servicing here, how does your pricing differ from, say, if they were able to go straight to a conventional system
1: yeah i'm really the pricing difference, so for us, you know a lot of this pricing comes straight from the banks because mm-hmm. a lot of folks are surprised when they 're in high risk that your fees are going to be a little higher, mm-hmm. and this is just unfortunately old school capitalism supply demand there are one fewer banks willing to work with these businesses so they can charge a little more. And then two, you know, it's, it's just kind of a risk assessment for them in the sense that, hey, we're working with an industry we know has higher chargeback risks or higher fraud risks or whatever the, the case may be. We want to protect ourselves. And so we're going to have minimum fees and minimum per transaction fees that are just higher. So, we go with that. We don't add, you know, extra charges on top of that. That's kind of one of our our things is, is we, don't, we don't want to hit people up. You know, there's other folks in the industry who may charge application fees and things like that. We don't do that. So how we sort of approach pricing is, is look, we're going to try to give you the best possible price we can, but realize in, in many cases, you know, you're high risk, kind of going back to credit repair. A lot of folks have smaller businesses and they're just starting and they're kind of taken aback by what your per transaction fees and things like that might be because they're, they're in that mode of, wait, I have this solid business. I should be getting you know 1% or whatever per transaction. And it's like, and unfortunately, it's just a little higher and <laughs> there's only so many banks that are working with it. So it's, it's kind of either this or, or you're not processing credit cards. Yeah. Uh, for, in for in fairness,
0: way. I mean, if we are dealing with account, with an industry that has higher chargeback rates and therefore in a greater need for involvement and, and claims and vigilation it's warranted, right? I mean, this is like Mm -hmm. insurance pricing to some degree, right? Like, unfortunately, sir, you smoke, and you have had a heart attack, and you're 50 pounds overweight. And yeah, so guess what? You're not a standard preferred risk. It's just the way it is, right? And it's unfortunate, because it gets in the way of business, because this is not necessarily the same case. You know, you can have completely upright, great businesses there. But just because of their peers, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's a challenge.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and so you know, I've had many conversations with folks um, on the phone talking about this aspect. And typically, what we do too is is we try to give you the best price we can. And I think one other pricing thing I would add is that people are surprised by is there's this thing called you know interchange plus versus discount rate pricing. So interchange is just the pure card issuer fees. So, you know, your MasterCard and then plus, you know, you might add a couple percentage points on top of that or what have you, a couple basis points. And then discount rate is just sort of a a flat rate that is more often used for online transactions because essentially, you know, they're, they're kind of baking in, you know, those extra fees in there, those extra percentage points into the discount rate. So sometimes folks, you know, the reality is, is that Interchange Plus, that's for Retail. That's how we price retail, meaning card present in person transactions. Well, a lot of folks they're doing online or they're processing these credit cards over the phone. That is a high risk thing. That's higher risk if the card is not present when you are doing a transaction, if the person hasn't sat there and given you their card up front and you took it and swiped it. So you might have higher pricing if you're selling online you are going to be harder pressed to get that interchange plus pricing and that's just sort of how, how it works so you know sometimes people are a little surprised by that as well cuz they they think well wait i know my local delicatessen gets this pricing cuz i talked to the guy and it's like yeah man but you're in a different ball game, sure, you're, different you're, ball game. you're you're selling well, you you're want selling, that
0: raco oh, beadelli <laughs>
1: exactly like you're selling bongs online like come on like <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, uh,
0: <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's insurance overlay. It's almost like the insurance world thinking overlaid over the banking thinking, which is really, it's all about risk management. So mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense. First off. So, I mean, I, I can, you know, we'll have to talk offline about some of the crazier stories you've heard. I don't want to wrap anybody out, but sure. Uh, I mean, again, I think you found, you know, similar to some other people I've talked to, you're not a technology company. You're a techn- you're a company that provides technology to users, to user companies to mm-hmm. essentially fill a gap in the market. And you know, I've seen others compete based on service. You're competing by going after a largely ignored segment of the market, which is not small. I mean, I can't even imagine how many... You know, that's a really good question for you. Do you have any idea how many different companies in, in America would fall into this category of higher risk?
1: Ooh, that's a great question, and I do not... I think whatever the number is, it's higher than one would think, and especially because many companies they don't know they're technically high risk. And sometimes these companies, they can get lower risk processing and they can kind of skate along and then they'll get discovered essentially uh-huh. and shut down by their processor. And And this is actually, this is something that I take very seriously because I, I hate when I get these calls from someone who has a great business and now all of a sudden they cannot accept credit cards. Um, they, they thought they were fine. No one ever told them they weren't fine. And yeah. now, you know, someone's holding their funds and they've got, hundreds of customers waiting in the wings. And then they're, they're, they come to us desperate. They're saying, uh, please help us. We need to be able to process. So many, many of these companies fall into this. And, and you know what we try to do is, is basically I say, I am so sorry and, and I wish you'd found us as soon as possible, but you found us now. So, hey, let's work with you and let's get you rocking again. Um, the business
0: owner reputational risk to all that where you, where you basically turn around and you're accepting one day and then you're not. And you know the, the people who who basically want to deal with you have to start asking the question of what just happened here? Not, not a good position to be in. So, I mean, good on you for, for for figuring out a unexploited part of the market, exploited in a good way uh, in that you're able to turn around and actually help people better grow and scale their businesses. And, you know, of course, technology is a leveraging part of that. So before mm-hmm. we finish up, there's three questions I ask everybody. The first one is if you had one wish for something you can change in your business or industry as a whole. And I'm going to preface this by saying that not, it shouldn't be that everybody becomes a high-risk business. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. What would it be?
1: If I had one wish, I would wish that there would be more clarity for folks like us from some of the banks on what the requirements are. And there would just be more communication because I think sometimes something will change down the line and then it just, it's kind of disseminated and it's it's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, we're surprised sometimes. <laughs> and I don't like when I'm surprised when I have a merchant and I thought we were good and then I find out that there was something different that wasn't, wasn't quite what it was and we can't get them approved. And I understand, again, <laughs> this stuff, you've got risk, this is complex, mm-hmm. but I would be like, man, if there was a, a little update I could get every morning that just told me exactly, Hey, some people had a meeting in a board meeting, you know, last night and this change is coming down. That would make my life a lot easier.
0: (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. What has been the biggest challenge in scaling the business to where it is today?
1: Oh, great question. Really. I think the, the biggest challenge has just been it's competitive just because, you know, we were talking about those fees, a lot of folks in payments, you know, you talk about the squares and the stripes, how they've sort of upended a lot of traditional yeah. payments industries. So they've eaten a lot of the margins that a lot of these payments businesses were, were feeling nice and fat. And we sort of... Found this high risk space, and there's a benefit there because Square doesn't serve a lot of high risk businesses, so that we're not even sucks. competing in that same arena. So a lot of businesses are coming out, and they're and they're offering great services. Um, you know, I'm not disparaging anybody, but it's just the competition is really great. So you have a lot of people uh, wanting to service these merchants. So that's just that presents its own challenges. Is hey, how can I get yeah. these merchants to roll with us?
0: So it's interesting. I um I'm of the mindset that when I see places not offer a uh, credit card or start, you know, charging for the interchange fee, I get annoyed. Just because as a business owner, I'm always thinking about how to better that client experience. But it's you know, it's it's gotta be frustrating for these businesses who I can't imagine especially in the online sphere, how much they lose if they if they can't take credit card, right? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, the competition is intense. I mean, you know, we've, you're right, the squares and the stripes have made everybody think it's just as easy as logging in and putting a little dongle on your phone and you're off to the races, right? And for many of us, it is that easy, but for so many more, it most certainly is not.
1: Yeah, actually, I, w- I wanna just add to that too. We have an underwriting process that every business goes through in order to get approved. And the underwriting happens on the front end and what's nice about that is, you know, if you're approved, that means that, that you've been signed off on and your business is okay. Well, what Stripe and Square do is they just, they let you go, they'll send you the thing and they'll let you start processing. And then they'll Until... do their, the, yeah, then they'll look on the back end and be like, oh, wait, you're, you're credit repair. Yeah. We don't work with that. Bye. And yeah. then they shut you down. And so and now your infrastructure business, already
0: built out. People are used to
1: doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so people come to us and they're like, wait, what? It's going to take a couple business days? I want to process in three hours. And it's like, yeah, but this is a different ball game." <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and yeah, go be a deli. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and what keeps you going every day and, and basically motivated to keep at it?
1: Yeah. What excites me the most is I love payments. I, I have my own payments podcast. I love this intersection of technology and the solid financials of those residuals and things like that, that allows you to both be creative and sort of expand and, and all that good stuff and, and kind of scratches that entrepreneurial itch I have, but then also you know has this underlying like solid financial base when you are doing it right and when you're successful and you're building your your portfolio. I really really enjoy that and and it motivates me. What gets me up is in the morning is actually that competition I mentioned because I think we do a fantastic job, you know, we take service very seriously. I think we also try to educate folks on these industries and really be a a source for them beyond just, you know, hey, we're marketing at you. And that motivates me to help people and, and do it hopefully better than our competitors are.
0: Fantastic. Scott, thank you so much for your time. And uh, hope you guys continue to help more and more businesses. And I I, kind of hate to say this, but I, you know, part of me wants to wish you that more companies become high risk, they may give you more options, <laughs> but I, I don't hope that.
1: So yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah. And I
0: also at the same time, don't hope people become low risk because then you're, you're in trouble too. So, but nevertheless, best of luck helping those who uh, can't find help elsewhere.
1: Thanks so much, Jason. Thank you.
0: So that was my interview with Scott Hawksworth of Sorpay. I uh, hope you found that interesting. And uh, if you're a higher risk business, I suggest you look them up immediately. As always, this has been FinTech Impact, and I am your host, Jason Pereira. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Take care.